welcome to the June 2011 edition of Ordinary Means. Uh, you are using technology, and we are talking about technology here for the second month. Uh, we are going to address the issues of how does technology affect um, or help us in our taking in of the ordinary means. How do we interact with God's means in a world where media has given us all kinds of means? Um, I'm your host, Sean Nolan, here with Matt Bowling. Hey, Sean. And uh, we're out, and we're here with a couple computers how, as well. How is that? How is that Bible reading going there on your iPod Touch when your um, wife texts you at the same time, and then an email comes in, and someone calls you too? Well, you know, I was just talking to somebody. Somebody this morning was bragging to me. They said, "My," uh, she said, "My husband just got a Kindle, and he loves it." And I said, "You know what? I'm reading my Bible almost solely on my Kindle these days, at least in my personal devotions." Um, I can get there quicker. It's it's readily available, and um, so it's it is interesting how technology is affecting our lives. Do you? I'm curious. When you read the Bible on your Kindle, do you uh, highlight and take notes on the Kindle? Not in my Bible reading. I do when I read other books. Um, the other I, books. I like the I just Kindle's features up, for that. I just picked up. Uh, I'd seen this in a uh, church where I was having a meeting. Um, an ESV journaling Bible. Which is like the best. It's not a cheap Bible, but um, but it was great because there's actually like journal sides on that you can like write little notes to yourself of what you learned as you read it and stuff, and that's been really really good. So I'm kind of back to an anti-technology as Bibles go. Well, you know, uh, the Bible I open like in front of me right now that I use when I study my when I do my sermons is an NAS wide margin, which is ah, the same. Okay. Thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um. So so we're looking at. Technology, and one of the questions, I mean, this is a great, we're, we're giving some great examples here because we're talking about our personal habits. And one of the questions that we want to raise is, is this, is technology, is it my responsibility to say that all technology is bad for a society? Or is it my responsibility to say, here in this area in my life, a technology is good or bad? Hmm. That's a good question, actually, because I think that it also varies. It it varies depending on who you are as a person. If you're a highly distractible person, it's probably good for you to leave your cell phone in another room on vibrate um, and close yourself off if you're going to spend time praying or reading, if you're highly distractible. If you're somebody that multiprocesses really, really well... Maybe you can pick up and put down your reading of the Bible, and you can do it on your phone, and it doesn't matter that somebody just texted you or somebody tried to call you or an email came in or whatever. You know, And I think that some of that's got to be you can't cookie-cutter it and say, oh, no, nobody can text because somebody might interrupt your, you know, your conversation with this or that. Or nobody can use an electronic Bible because you lose the contact with the pages, and that's part of the experience itself. And you know, um, I think that's more in the realm of personal preference than being necessarily moral. Well, actually, you know, I, th- I was thinking we should go back to scrolls. Ah, because in, yes. in going to book, very tactile. In going to book, we lost that the feel of those ancient scrolls, and you know, right. pulling them in and out of the clay pot every time you wanted to read them. Mm-hmm. That was so significant in our under. See, I mean, that's that is essentially the argument that's often being used today. Um, it's kind, of, it's reverse chronological snobbery. 
Hmm. rather than saying and those really are the two extremes aren't they the chronological snobbery everything new is better and then reverse chronological snobbery everything old is better right and the tendency is going back to this question of society or self um obviously what you're saying matt is we need to know ourselves we, need, we do. We, we need, need to, we need to know our tendencies. Like, for example, before we got on the air, Sean and I were talking about our, the different ways that we use the Internet. Um, I get the least possible number of emails that I can on purpose. Um, there are very, very few things that I subscribe to, and the things that I subscribe to, I read. The things uh, that if I'm not reading something consistently, in fact, there's one I need to unsubscribe to. I've not read it in months, um, and it'll hurt. It's a personal friend that it might hurt his feelings that I'm unsubscribing, but I really you don't need, need to, to mention unsubscribe. His name. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to mention his name. You know, and it just there's actually two I need to unsubscribe from because I have so little time for email. The time that I have, I need to spend on the personal email and actually getting work and ministry done instead of and read the things that are absolutely crucial that come by that mechanism. And there are a few things that I get like that. Um, on the other hand. I read, I'm getting ready. I'm still trying to figure this out. Some of you are going to laugh um, and think I'm a Luddite. But um, I'm just trying to figure out how to subscribe to somebody's RSS feed. I've not done that before. Some of you just had a gasp. Um, but that's just not – it's been a part of Sean's uh, work style for years. He's talked to me about it. Um, I'm not even subscribed to our own RSS feed on our own podcast, um, which is why sometimes when you leave comments that Sean has to email me to make sure that I go back and comment after you comment on something. But um, it's just never something that I've made a part of my work process, and I'm awash in information. And frankly, I'm actually an information junkie. It's actually dangerous for more information to come at me because if I have more information, um, I'll feel really good about myself. And I'll take my sense of significance in how much I know and in how much I'm in tune with things. And um, it's actually good for me to wean myself off of being in the know. So, so for me, it's dangerous. It would be dangerous to subscribe to a whole bunch of feeds because then I'd be in the know. And that's actually bad for my spiritual life. So some of this really comes back to I need to spend more time in that ESV journaling Bible in my chair without any technology around me, without any information except God speaking to me through his word because I need to get my significance a lot more from Christ a lot more from my identity there than in what I know. So that's the kind of thing that we need to be really careful of. What I'm hearing is that one of the biggest dangers of technology is the way it makes information not only available to us, um, you know, such as the, you know, the availability of being able to go to Wikipedia. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you, you what you've just described, you're the kind of person that could get lost in Wikipedia. I could um, spend a whole day in Wikipedia without having even breathing hard and have a great time and not even come home tired and care less than anything else happened. <laughs> whereas, whereas I would be the, there are would be some the opposite. Yeah. Read the encyclopedia. There are people who could have a good time reading the encyclopedia. Well, the neat thing about Wikipedia, and by the way, we need to, we need to make a formal announcement here, okay? We're going to add a new word to your... Um, uh, to your repertoire of words, okay? When you tell someone, um, Matt and I were talking earlier, and we were trying to figure out the origin of the word Luddite. And, of course, the way you find out the origin of a word nowadays is you go to Wikipedia. We, now, normally we would say, you would say to your friend, you would say, well, why don't you Google it? I hear that all the time now. 
But I went, I wanted to say to Matt, I want you, why don't you Wikipedia it? But that was too long. And so out of my mouth came, why don't you wick it? <laughs> okay, so now I want I want us to start using this. And now. this, this is, is to be sharply distinguished from the character from Star Wars Episode Six. <laughs> yeah, what was that? That was a, a little it teddy bear. Wicket. It was Wicket. Wicket. Yeah, it was Ewok. Ewok. That's it's what he was. Ewok, yes. yes. This would be more W I K hyphen I T I T. So Wicket, and then if you when you're done, you can thank I thanked Matt for wicking it. Yes. Um, I hadn't. I've, I've never heard anybody else say those, so we're going to go on record right now as having come up. You and I have come up with these phrases. Wicked. Wicked. Okay, so you wicked it on. <laughs> see, I just came up with another one. It's amazing how many suffixes you can put on that, on wick. Um, you uh, went to Wikipedia, you found out the source of the, the Luddite. And were immediately you wanted to follow through to some other links, and uh, so you said to me, "Oh, I'm I'm going to turn this off so that I can do the podcast." Um, whereas I think uh, I'm I'm the type where so you know you like you were saying you don't do RSS feeds, and I apologize if you don't know what an RSS feed is. An RSS stands for uh, really simple syndication. And basically, anyone who has a blog, any website out there that has a constant flow of information, uh, news websites, what have you, you can subscribe to their feed. And what that does is that gives you a, a trailing list um, that's constantly updated of the latest news items, blog posts, what have you, coming out. Now, the reason I like that is because it actually keeps me from being inundated with information. Because what I'm able to do is I'm able to scan through a hundred, you know, I probably look at two, three hundred RSS feeds a day, but I'm able to scan through all of those in a process of minutes and mark the ones that I, I'd like to spend some more time looking at. In fact, I, you and I were just recently uh, playing with, the, um, with Instapaper, which is a website right. that allows you to save websites for for a later reading and in fact instapaper will send it to your kindle which is a way you can now is it technically are you reading offline if you're on a kindle yeah yeah i, I think it even though it's a piece of technology you're not connected um and you're reading as if on paper uh, and so that's that's a little bit easier than staring at a screen reading an article. If there's a long article matter I want to read, we both send it send it to our Kindle. So um, this is a definite. It's interesting how both of us are fighting information overload, but we're fighting it in different ways. Fighting in different ways, yeah, yeah. I don't give myself access to it. The access you have to it, you try and do it as uh, efficiently as possible. Yes, and I, but now I do the same thing you do. If there's if there is a feed from a particular website that I have not read a whole article from them in weeks, I I unsubscribe. I keep my feeds limited. Like you, um, I I subscribe. I don't know if you do this. Do you have Do you have a zero inbox policy where um, your email inbox is always empty? I believe that you have just exhibited a foretaste of the new heavens and the new earth that I have not yet tasted. Because <laughs> that's my policy, man. <laughs> I cannot handle... Um, we, we were talking about stressors 
right. uh, before we came on the air. And that, for me, is a huge stress, having, having untouched email. So what I, what I do is when I get an email, I toss it in, into something else. You know, if it's, if it's a to-do item... You know, then I make it a to-do item on my calendar, and I and I get rid of the email. For me, an email is only a. Uh, it, well, it's it's, and this is what we're going to talk about today: is technology as a medium. Email is a mediator. It gets your information to me, but then I have to decide what I'm going to do with that information. And as long as your email sits in my email inbox, um, it's just taking up space and stressing me out. Whereas if I assign it to a particular date on the calendar, or if I just go ahead, if it's going to take two minutes, if I reply to you, then my stress is gone. I've, I've released it into the ether. And I think that, that all of us need to find ways that the technology helps reduce rather than induce stress. Now, I'll give you another contrast between Sean and I, even though we're great friends, we're very, very different people. I think that's why uh, we're it, friends. It, it may well be, um, but um, it would actually stress me to do what Sean just is just described to you. I have one folder that I've just started that's called to-dos, but I'm a horribly forgetful person. So I leave things in my email box to make sure that I get them done. It's my way of getting things done. But I do have a folder that's to-dos of emails that I've sent myself of particular tasks to be done. But even that folder, I have to leave those items unread so I won't forget about them because I have a whole series of folders that hold stuff that I never look at unless I have to. So if I'm actually going to get something done, I have to go look at that folder and do it. Sean's much more organized than I am, always has been. Um, and he'll actually go look at his folders as the process of what he's doing. I'll completely forget the folders even there. And so I leave it in the inbox because I know I'll look in the inbox. <laughs> so, but this is a good, actually, this is a good lesson to say, will a Kindle help you accomplish the particular calling that God's given you? In this conversation with our, with my wife has this conversation with me every time I want to buy a piece of technology because I'm a technophile and she, she is very helpfully corrected me on a number of occasions. She said, will you use that every day or at least a couple of times a week? That's, that's a summary of the conversation. Is it worth the money to buy that if you're not going to use it? Um, and it's very, very good. So I buy a very, I buy very high end phones because I use the thing to death. I buy very high end computers because I use the thing to death. Um, the Kindle I'm increasingly using, but it's not part of my work as much of my workflow as I want it to be, but I can see how it will be, it will be for my study leave. I have study leave coming up at the end of August Sean, and five out of the seven books I'm going to read that week are on my Kindle, hmm. which is amazing. Um, I just was just a particular collection of things I wanted to read. Uh, the Kindle editions were cheaper or, or they, were, they were competitive or whatever. And so I think I've got five books on my Kindle to read on my study leave. Um, and uh, that'll be fun. It's a lot easier than carrying around a whole big bag of books. Oh, frankly. it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And then in that sense, if you can get the Kindle editions and you're going to and you you'll actually read them on there then it's it's absolutely fabulous it's great but there is a lot of technology that i think actually induces stress you know if you adopt say for example that you're going to um, that you're going to that you're going to tweet things now you sort of for people that follow you on twitter they expect a certain amount of flow of information from you or else it's not worth subscribing to you. 
And so you also have to know if you adopt a particular technology, are you creating an expectation in yourself or in other people in terms of usage of it? And is that fostering ministry? Is it fostering our good use of the ordinary means and the good use of other people, the ordinary means by other people, or is it keeping us from it? Is it just another layer? And in that sense, is it really helpful to accomplish the purposes of God for my own life and for other people's lives? Or is it just, it's a nice, fun, new piece of technology that I get to use? Hard questions, but good questions. Yeah, and I think that is the, um, well, two, two things. One is some of us have the tendency to jump on the bandwagon with new things. Mm-hmm. And that's part of our, um, that's part of one of the things we need to watch as we examine ourselves. And secondly, I still hear at the back of this conversation that we're having this, this issue of, is it my responsibility um, to examine, to, to know thyself? Mm-hmm. Um, well, obviously, yes. We would both answer yep. yes to that. Is it my responsibility uh, to know my society? Um, mm-hmm. Okay, generally, yes. But I think there's a real danger because so much of what the media teaches us today is to complain about our society and blame things on our society when, at the end of the day, we're the one who chose to pick up that technology and use it. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So, so we can't say um, no one should use a Kindle. Right. But you personally can say, uh, I don't want to use a Kindle. I don't think it would help me. I think it would actually, you know, I could see a Kindle becoming a distraction for someone. Now, this was, you remember, um, because you and I were using Palm Pilots back before the days of smartphones. Yeah. You you and I both had Palm Pilots. And I remember the day I gave up my Palm Pilot, and it was this incredible wave of freedom came over me. Because I remember it felt like I spent more time fiddling with the gadget and getting it to work than I did actually using it and gaining value from it. Yeah. And so and there I think was, that that's, yeah. There was this, this wave of freedom that came. Uh, and I remember at the time I went back to a paper calendar. Um, and it was, it, was, it was a joyous day. Right. Uh, neither you nor I have, um, have a tablet computer. Right. Latest, greatest thing. Um, everybody is coming out with them. Just read today that uh, Amazon is coming out with one. Uh, the Barnes & Noble just came out with their latest tablet e-reader today. Uh, so this is this is right cutting edge, cusp of the new technology thing. And yet both you and I, Matt, I think have looked at it and said, uh, my laptop does that. Right. Or, and I'm willing, to, I mean, I'm willing to, for the amount that I travel... I'm willing to carry my laptop when I travel. Sean and I will be together for almost a week here in, in two weeks, and we'll both cart a full-size laptop with us. Now, I have a friend who travels a lot, and if he's going to take just a one- or two-day trip, and it's mostly speaking, interacting with people he doesn't need access to his files or whatever, he actually will take an iPad with him, and profitably, because he doesn't need to cart his whole laptop. Um, and uh, for a guy like that, I could see maybe how a limited-use thing like an iPad could be really, really helpful and useful 
and not be as stressful as carrying around a full-size laptop and the security and all of that that goes with it. Um, But for us, I don't mind carrying around the whole big laptop. It's funny you keep saying carting it and you called it a big laptop. What what do our laptops weigh? What are they, like three pounds? Yeah, they're about three pounds, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's there's nothing to them. Not not a lot, at least. So I I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, You have a smartphone. Yeah. Do you... Do you, does it, does it ring? I mean, could it ring any minute here? Will it tell you when you get an email? Does it tell you uh, when you get a text? I mean, how how often does it talk to you? Oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, I've never thought about it that way. Um, I can go, so I get a fair amount of emails. Um, and so, like right now, I have it on silent. Okay. And um, the... Uh, so an email will come in and actually an email won't even buzz. Um, an email comes in and it doesn't have a notification other than a flashing light on my particular phone. A text, if I have it on silent, a text will buzz me once. A phone call will buzz me, buzz, 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 and then it's done. Sometimes I even miss it. Um, and so if I don't want to be disturbed, um, I can put it in my pocket and it won't disturb me until I get out of a meeting. Okay. It kind of depends on what's going on, whether I will let it uh, disturb me or not. If there's nothing crucial going on, like there's not some crisis, I'm a pastor, you know. Um, you know, But uh, if there's not some very important thing, I've left a message for somebody I'm waiting for them to call me back. It's going to be my next appointment, that kind of thing. Um, I generally speaking, do not allow it to interrupt um, meetings except my wife. My wife calls. Everybody loses when my wife calls. Um does she have her own special ring? Is she like a four buzz? Um, she doesn't have a special – when it's on buzz, she, you can't do a special ringtone, but she does have a special ringtone. Okay. Perhaps you'll get to hear it in two weeks, Sean. Okay. You don't have to tell me what it is. It could be That could be personal. No, no it's not personal, but it is. It, it does have a story. So. <laughs> my, my wife's is um, Your Perfect Love by Simply Aww. Red. So that's uh, – just go – yeah, go listen to that one on YouTube. Well, so let's let's keep let's keep thinking about this. Um, we've talked a lot about the work environment. I think one of the big ways that people are using technology, as demonstrated by the iPad, um, mm-hmm. is is gaming, is is entertainment. You know, whether it's you're watching a video, um, you are you know playing Angry Birds, um, or you're. Uh, uh, you do doing some other. He's playing solid. The, the old days we had solitaire, right? That's all we used to have. Um, right. Nowadays there are again. Just saw this today. Um, Apple just announced they have five hundred thousand apps on their app store. And a half at, a million. Yes. Wow. At, so I, we've come a long way. There's an app. There is an app for everything. That's craziness. So, so what do we do? I, I, I was um, noticing this week uh, I, two different things came through my feeds, and I think they demonstrate the, uh, the the two ends of the spectrum when it comes to technology. You've got okay. the you've got the luddite. Who the origin of the luddite? It was was it Ned? Ned, Ned Ludd? When we wicked it, well, at least for what Wick says. Um, yeah, Ned Ludd was the leader of uh, some uh, American textile, or I'm sorry, some uh, English textile workers who were upset with 
being replaced by by machines. And so they rallied against the adoption of the machines in the Industrial Revolution. And then a second um, – excuse me, my wife just texted me. Um, the uh, <laughs> You have to – in this one, Sean, she actually just did text me, but I've been waiting to do that to someone. Um, the uh, You have to link people on this video, Sean, to that commercial. Um, do you know the one I'm talking about where the guy's constantly interrupted in the making the commercial by texts? No, it's I haven't seen that one. Hysterical. It's absolutely hysterical. It but it's but it's the distracted life, basically. Yes. Which is actually really injurious to the Christian life to to be in the distracted life. Um, but uh, but the second definition of of luddite was just people, the generally speaking, as a result of this origin of the word, people that that um, don't want to embrace new technologies. So one of those new technologies is that gaming has gone from the board to the computer. Right. Or from the or from the from the dining room table or the or the card table to the computer or from the field, baseball field to the computer. I I know um I have cousins who golf and they do golf out on, on the on the the course, but they also enjoy golfing on uh, whatever console gaming system that they have, right? Um, so there's a there's those those connections there, and it's very interesting because in in one day I came across two articles both on video games, but but, but each one of them taking a completely different tack on video mm-hmm. games. The one says the the title of the post is "Get them off your computer now." We're talking about video games. Mm-hmm. And goes on to say that video games writes video games are the bane of manhood. They destroy godliness. Um, hours spent online uh, with pornography, chat, Facebook, and games are evil. This article says. Uh, now they give a good reason why they could be evil. It says because of right. what they displace as well as what they are, and that's true. If if any sort of entertainment, it doesn't have to be on a computer, displaces godliness. That's a problem. But that's yeah, the, that's the tone of this post. And, and the, the author even says, you know, he, had to, he deleted from his laptop backgammon because it was so oh. injurious to his spiritual health. And see, what are we saying? We're saying personally, if you are addicted to a video game, by all means, if you came into Matt or I's office, the first thing we'd say is delete it from your laptop. Right. Um, you know, if you if you are a person who struggles in that end, who can't moderate, which I'm I'm assuming then this this the writer of this is clearly somebody who struggles with moderation. Well, it, and it may be, and some people's approach is that it's not able to moderate. If you're not a person who's able to moderate, and there are people that are given to excess very very easily, mm-hmm. and so if you can't moderate. Um, then sometimes cut off it, it is very, very appropriate, actually. Um, I knew a situation in my previous church, a friend of ours, where the husband came, was very frustrated with his work, not very fulfilled in it, and you know would go online four hours a night and play these online games because he was a stud on the games. Mm. And he was really getting his identity out of the, vir- the virtual him. Yeah, and now, that, that is like scary. That, that is that is, and but it's very real. 
And so, you know, the particular article you're talking about, there's a very real problem there. But it's a quite different thing than when I've just come out of a tough meeting and it's gone well and I want five, ten minutes of just a little bit of a mental break before I jump back in with prayer to the next thing and I play a game of spades on my phone. Yeah. There's a quite different thing between me being able to play a game of spades on my phone and um, and spending four hours playing video games to well, get my identity out of it. You can ask the same thing about movies. You know, it's, it's or you can ask the same thing about books. You real could. live, <laughs> real live books. Books. You could conversations. We could. We're so adept at displacing what God's called us to do in each realm of our life. We can do it technologically or non-technologically. So we got to be really careful with that. We're really good at at bowing to idols instead of the true God. Oh, we are. I we just were talking about this as a church on Sunday, that the church today is so um, has its has its own little church culture where we worship, where we where we sing our songs, we we have our meals together, and uh, what we've missed is the kingdom building mm-hmm. to the point where. Most churches, it seems like, grow by doing the, the sheep shuffle. Yes. Just the sheep move around. They say, well, I don't like the music here, but I like the music over here. You know, I don't like, I, I don't like the people here, but I like the people over here. And or so we just... children's program that I want. Oh, yeah, they have the children's... In our circles, in so, our circles, they have the theology I want. So we move around, and, and I've, I've actually gotten into the habit now. People come to me who are Christians, who are in another church, who say, you know, we're thinking about coming over to your church. And I will, I will tell them, I'll say, don't do it, because we don't want any more Christians. We want some non-Christians to come to our church. You, you know what I'm saying? We want to we yeah. grow by conversion. We right. don't want to grow by transfer. Now, if you're moving to this area and you need a church, hey, come come by. But if you've already got a church in the area, you don't you don't need to come worship with us. Um, it it I'll tell you it it takes it, it takes years of um, God kicking you in the pants to get to the point of being willing to say that. Well, and I think that it's a different. It's a different era of, well, at least in my part of the world. I, Sean still lives in a fairly traditional part of the world. I live in a, in a part of the world that has um, 7% of people in Seattle um, go to church on a particular Sunday. Um, so it tends to, tends to uh, bring to light things that you hadn't thought a lot about before um, by being in an area that's that's much more... Um, unchurched, um, and it's and it's in some ways that's good because it was much more. You tend to read what went on in the early church differently when you live in an area that is very unchurched in comparison to living in an area that's still fairly traditional, where it's convention to go to church and you basically can survive by shuffling sheep between churches. No church in Seattle survives by shuffling sheep between churches. Yeah. They only survive and thrive if they reach people with the gospel. Hmm. Now, do you see, does the congregation itself, I know we're totally, this is the thing, if you're going to listen to Matt and I, it's a conversation. <laughs> we go down rabbit trails. It has rough boundaries. Is, is, yeah, rough boundaries, loose boundaries. 
Um, right. So what's is there more of a sense in your congregation, do you think, of the need to bring in unbelievers? Oh, or are they? Sure. Do they struggle with the same thing that you saw out here, where there's almost you know I don't I don't even talk to non-believers. What are you talking about? Bring them into church. Um. Well, yeah, that's a very long conversation. But uh, nobody who is left in our church does not realize that we are a commissioned group of missionaries. Okay. There's not anybody left here. Or certainly, none of the younger people that are left here don't get that. Uh, the people that didn't want to get that left. And the older folks are just hanging on because they'd like to see something happen. Mm. So, yeah. And most of us, most of us, most of our friends are non-Christians by necessity. Yeah. It's, that's just the friends. That's the people on your street. That's the people that you, if you're like me, you play racquetball with. Um, that's the people at the coffee shop. That's the people that you play sports with. They're vast by vast, vast margins, unchurched people. Well, the the only reason Jesus didn't come back when Harold Camping said he would uh, was because there are still people to be reached. Right. You know, we're not, we're not still here because uh, there's another report to write at work. <laughs> Thankfully, and we're not. Thanks. We're actually not even still here because there is another child to be born, although I guess you could technically say maybe there's another child to be born that the Lord is calling to himself. Uh, yeah. But you're not here. We're not still here because in order to get your kids an education. Right. The, the, the right. reason that Christians are on the earth is to build the kingdom of God, which maybe, and maybe this is where we just need to close out this conversation is say, can we build the kingdom of God with the use of technology? You and I had a big plan for what we were going to do and this podcast, I think we're going to have to put off some of these things till next uh, next month. Just as a highlight, next month we got a great talk for you because we're going to ask um, and apply uh, Neil Postman's six questions were to ask of all new technologies, apply them to the ordinary means, and I think I think it's going to be a very beneficial conversation. Um, but for right now, can we build the k- kingdom of God with technology? Well, and I think that that's something that that right now our church is working on um, on uh, doing a significant revision to our website. It'll really be we have a website at, that's out there that that's simply informational and functional. Um, but the way, at least as we understand the way that people are using technology right now, particularly the technology of a church website, is the that um, an expectation. Uh, of a churched person, again, there's only 7% of those in Seattle, so we don't spend a lot of time thinking about them because there aren't a whole lot of them. Um, and if they're going to come to our church, they're probably going to come because of what we already are, um, not because of how snazzy our website is. Um, but um, that uh, a person maybe who has a church background um, but uh, is had a bad experience um, – it, what we would, would just as a descriptive label, we would call de-churched. A person with a church background who's not actively uh, involved in a church right now. Um, those people are going to spend a lot of time on your website before they ever darken the door of your church. It's true. Because they want to sniff out who you are and what you're like and whether you're going to be what they've already rejected or whether you're going to be the gospel community uh, that they yearn for, because we all yearn for it. 
And so our role is, as we look at a particular piece of technology, like a church website, is can we accurately describe who we are as a gospel community um, in such a way that when someone test drives our church through the website, uh, it's a point where God ministers to them through that piece of technology. And it's a tool in God's hands where he might draw us into the the communal life that we share as a body under God's word. Um, so that's that's the way that we're trying to navigate that as a church. Um, and my hope is um, that, indeed, God might well use that piece of technology to grow his kingdom. Um, on the other hand, <laughs> if you'll let me speak out of the other side of my mouth, um, I heard, a, I think I said this last month, but I, I heard a, a well-known um, kind of new generation pastor say that, that he um, thinks that if the Internet had been around, that the Apostle Paul would have used it. Um, and I think that, while there's certainly the case that I think Paul would have had a church website, um, I think that Paul also would have been savvy enough to realize that there's some really dehumanizing things um, about technology, some very impersonal things about technology, um, some things that we used to do personally that we now do transactionally through email or through Facebook or even through texts, that all of those seem personal, but they are not the same as even a phone call, much less a, a, an actual across-the-table conversation. Um, and so I think that we need to recognize that there is a form um, of um, there's a form of goodness in life that we'll experience in the new heavens and the new earth that in my mind theologically we're to give people a foretaste of and it's an exceptionally personal intimate life with God and people technology has a very difficult time delivering that it's meant to be efficient not relational. And so we need to be very careful that we can use a tool like a church website, but I don't think that we can put our hopes in it. And I think that there are people who put their hopes in it. And that's a quite different thing. It's more like letting the technology use us than letting us use the technology. Well, the new heavens and the new earth is going to be unmediated. There, there's not going to be a go-between. We will see Jesus face to face. Um, mm. Even in this life, the ordinary means of grace are mediated. They mm. they come mm-hmm. between us and God. The, the Scripture, the Bible, is is a technology. Yeah. Um. And so, if heaven is going to be face to face. Uh, we need to be extremely wary of any technology that will take us away from face to face. Like I hear all of all of the time now, I hear people saying, "You know, oh, I can't stand the phone. Just email me." And there is this there's this withdrawal, um, almost a, a hermit hermit uh, a hermitage. Hermitage is what a hermit lives in. Mm-hmm. What is the to withdraw uh, withdrawing and becoming hermits? You know, if you want to contact me, contact me through email, and that's easier. I don't have to deal with you. And um, we should be very, very wary 
of those kinds of things. And then at the end of the day, um, as you said, you, a non-Christian might look at your website, but why would a non-Christian look at your website? I know why. It's because a Christian said, hey, you should come to our church. And the non-Christian right. said to himself, okay, I'll go check out the website, see what that's all about. Because right. um, I guarantee, you know, the gospel is spread through people. Yep. Um, nobody comes to a church because, I mean, maybe maybe if you're the big church rarely. in town. Rarely. Rarely. But maybe if you're the big church in town, and so it's almost a cultural norm. Everybody, wow, everybody in my community is going to this church. Maybe I should check it out, which is a good thing. Um, but normally it's, it's through people. Somebody mm-hmm. invites somebody else. Yep. Somebody shares the gospel with somebody else. Uh, there is no technology that can do that. Um, technology can try to do that, but I think, isn't that going to just be similar to, uh, you know, the way we're trying to do cloning, the way we're trying to make robots that think like, um, think like us, think like us, or at least can play Jeopardy like us, um, is, uh, is, is we need to be wary. Uh, Yep. We are weary. Cautious, cautious users. (laughs) We're, we're weary from the information overload. We need to be wary and, and in some senses, um, use technology to get us back to Little House on the Prairie. (laughs) Um, use technology to free us up to have meals together. And if we can find ways that technology can do that, um, then I, then we're on the right track. Yeah, if your texts with a person lead you to have meal with them, that is a really quite different thing than if it is texts that are the substance of the relationship. So that I never have to see them. Right, exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Well, good, good thoughts. Uh, good thoughts this month. Um, we encourage you to ask your questions, particularly if you have questions about technology. Um, maybe you want to give some examples in your own life that we can share here. Uh, you can put those right up there, comment on the blog, um, and we will endeavor to make that part of the conversation. Uh, but until next month, may the Lord richly bless you as you pursue him through his ordinary means. <laughs>